I'm Bill. And I'm T-Dog. And this is Two, two Films, films too, too Curious, where the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. This week we're talking about... Uh, I, love, I love our intro. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a big fan of our intro. I thought, I was nervous that we weren't going to get a good intro, and I think that we have a nice intro. Anyways, this week we're talking about The Martian and Rocket Man. And if you're wondering, what does an Elton John movie have to do about with it's going to Mars? It's not that Rocket Man. It's not that Rocket <laughs> it's Man. It's the one it from would have 97. Nothing to do with it. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's the Harlan Williams 1997 Rocket Man. And more specifically, we're talking about the fact that last month was the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission, and generally about curiosity of outer space and exploration, space exploration and things yeah. like that so this week for the first time for the first time in 10 episodes for the first time in more than half a year i have the definition lay it on me here it is i don't know if you're ready for this the apollo program also known as project apollo was the third united states human sp- space flight program carried out out by the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, which succeeded in landing the first humans on the moon. Hopefully so there you not go. the last. Yes. We, they, they landed them there, and they're like, nailed it, and now we're done. Neil Armstrong is still up there. It's very sad. <laughs> Anyways, no. Okay, so uh, the Apollo missions were our plan to get people on the moon. They were sort of thought about, they came about because in a... In an address to Congress, uh, John F. Kennedy said that he had a goal of landing a man on the moon in the by the end of the decade and returning him safely to Earth. He said this. And in I'm glad that he kind of stipulated that second part of it. It would be really important. <laughs> it's really important to bring him back. Although, fun fact, they didn't know if they were going to come back, and they couldn't buy insurance. Like nobody would sell them insurance. So well, like Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and all these other guys, like started signing like memorabilia, so that oh, if they died yeah. on the moon, yeah. their their family could sell the memorabilia, because and that would be their insurance. Yeah. Live or die, that's worth money. Right. So, anyways, um, the Apollo 11 mission, though, uh, let's see, Kennedy's goal was accomplished on the Apollo 11 mission where when astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed their Apollo Lunar Lunar Module on July 20th, 1969 and walked on the the lunar surface while Michael Collins remained in lunar orbit out in the command module and all three landed safely on Earth on July 20th. That's why I always forget his name. Yeah, same. I feel bad, though, too. He went to the moon. He, he didn't. Didn't. He didn't go down to the moon. Stand on it. Right. He looked at the moon. I'd stand on that. I'd stand on that, too. <laughs> I mean, did he really do anything different than what we can do every night? <laughs> he was just much, much closer. Yeah. Well, I can get closer. <laughs> I just don't have good jumps. Anyways, that's that's the Apollo 11 mission. I'm sorry. You know, conveniently, I don't think my dad listens to this podcast very much, or else he would be very angry in much the same way he was when we couldn't remember what Edgar Rice Burroughs did. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's the Apollo 11 mission. Would you mind summarizing now for the viewers uh, The Martian? The Martian is a person that's on Mars. Boom. All right. Rocket Man <laughs> is a man in a rocket. Do you have any similarities you want to talk about today? No. What's The Martian about? So The Martian is about... It takes place in 2035, so kind of the near future sci-fi yeah. that's A reasonable still very future, realistic. I guess. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that feels reasonable. That's yeah. yourself 16, well, 15 and a little bit of change years until we get there. Yeah. That, you did quick maths. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's the crew. The, the mission is called the Ares 3. Um, they're exploring this area. So a strong dust storm comes. The crew has to, they're not done with their mission quite yet, but it's a whole, well, this dust storm is going to knock over our lander. Like, we're not going to be able to get off the planet. We may be stuck here forever if we don't. So we need to get on. We're just going to call it. We have to get on. While they're getting on, Mark Watney, who's the main character, gets hit by some debris that just gets ripped off because it's a very violent sandstorm. Mm-hmm. And his biomonitor is like, he's dead. Yeah. There he's gone. Yeah. They look for him a little bit. They can't find him. They're like, well, the captain kind of feels bad about it, but she's like, we have to go. We, I mean, we can't all die here. Mm-hmm. So they launch off. Lo and behold, he's not dead. Everyone on Earth thinks he's dead. NASA thinks he's dead. His crew thinks he's dead. And he kind of wakes up. Because a piece of metal, a piece, whatever the shrapnel thing that hit him, yeah. went through his biosensor, which is why it said he was dead, right? And kind of impaled it. He's leaking oxygen, but he wakes up like, you know, your oxygen is low, is what right. it tells him. Um, now they have supplies and stuff there. He goes, he gets back into like the main area, does surgery on himself. He gets the shrapnel removed. Uh, he realizes he can't really contact NASA or anyone else, so he's like, all right, well now I got to figure this out. 
you know, I, if I can survive until the next mission comes, which is over a year away, it's like 400-something days, Yeah. then I'm, I might be able to meet them there, and then they'll, you know, obviously they'll know who I am. Right. <laughs> um, he, so he kind of improvises his own farm. He makes a farm using, he uses his and everyone else's feces as Oops. fertilizer. Poops. Poops. Please use a medical term. <laughs> He uses their poopoos. Mm-hmm. He finds some, some. Uh, they had some rations, so they pack them with extra rations just because you never yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you get hungry. Yeah, they don't plan for this, but no. he opens. He's like, for Thanksgiving, they had potatoes, so he's like, oh, grow. You can grow a potato from the potato. It's a root, mm-hmm. so he's like, I'm going to grow pota- potato plants. Um, he kind of, as he says, like has to science the shit out of a lot of things. He yeah. figures out how to get like. Water by burning hydrogen and oxygen, etc., so that he can water all of his crops. Eventually, they start growing, and he's he's like, oh, okay, well, I have food, which was like kind of the major thing. It was the the most limiting factor was having food and water. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, on Earth, they there's everyone's going very sad about him being dead. Um, but they kind of realize as they're looking at satellite imagery, they see that like the solar panels are being cleaned off, the rover is moving, like things that should not be happening unless there's an actual person down there. Right. Yeah. And they kind of realize that non-nature movement. Yeah. Yes. Initially, they're like, oh well, the dust, the wind blew it off, and they're like, yeah, but look at the rover. It, yeah. It has tracks, like it moved. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't blown over by something. Um, <clears throat> they decide well we have to rescue him somehow so their first their initial plan is to just get like i'm i'm skipping over all the characters except for mark (laughs) watney but all the nasa people on earth decide we need to get supplies to him that's the quickest thing we can do right and then hopefully he can last until the next mission gets there we can mount a rescue mission and do whatever we need to um he goes and digs up an old like rover like like curiosity like Mm -hmm. something that was there way before the people got there but then they had to shut down or, like, the battery failed or mm-hmm. something. And he, NASA's able to get back into it once he fixes the battery, and then they can kind of very remedially communicate using, like, hexadecimal code. Yeah. Until eventually they get him to, like, if you put this code in, you hack something, we can, like, type back and forth to each other on a keyboard. Yeah. Um, in which case now he's got people advising him about how to grow the crops and what else to do and right. how to do this and that. How to eventually get back the same computer to, to generate email so he doesn't have to do the blah, blah, blah anymore. Yeah, so he can actually talk to people mm-hmm. like easily. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of a funny thing where he says a lot of naughty words and his words are being broadcast to like the whole human, yeah. <laughs> the whole earth. <laughs> Something similar happens in Rocket Man. Yeah, you know, that's true. Um, so his airlock kind of area where their base is has this huge rupture that just kind of suddenly happens kills all his crops so now he's kind of SOL right um because he's not he manages to get it back up but he can't grow the crops again it's just gonna take way too long yeah um NASA still doesn't really know how they're gonna get the stuff to him they can't build stuff quickly enough so China helps him out the China Space Administration is like has a secret rocket but they want to help Mark Watney too yeah um and it's kind of a good ability for the United States and China to cooperate very well on something. Eventually, Childish Gambino shows up. Yeah. And he's like... Raps for them all. <laughs> he this inspires them. <laughs> he uh, figures out the math on the crew that's currently on their way back can slingshot around the Earth and get back to Mars a lot more quickly. Yeah. Um, so they, they're they like, all right, here's what we're going to do. The crew comes around, we shoot up stuff to resupply to them, because they mm-hmm. send off their first resupply thing, and it explodes. Right. Because they didn't account for something. The liquid melting and then it uh, affecting the speed. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's successful. The crew picks up the supplies. Boom. They're going back to Mars. Um, meanwhile, NASA's telling Mark, here's what you need to do. Go to this area. You're going to use, like, they already sent the next launcher there because they have them stationed ahead of time. Yeah. Here's how you, like, get into it. You're going to have to strip literally everything off of it. Right. He has no nose cone. He's, like, literally puts a tarp over yeah. it. I mean, because he's, he's in a suit, he has right. air. It's a ragtop convertible <laughs> rocket. <laughs> he takes out all the chairs, the controls. Like, he's yeah. literally just sitting in it. Yeah. Um, he launches off, gets knocked out. The crew comes. They... Run into their own issues, like we're not going to reach him in time. He's right. not going to get high enough, etc. They end up having to improvise a bomb. I'm 
blowing up part of their ship so that all the air escaping kind of pushes them to get them fast enough to yeah. him. And then the captain gets in this, like, this little suit that can go out really far. It stretches yeah. on a big long cord, but she still can't reach him. So Mark Watney has to be like Iron Man. He punctures a hole in his suit, and he's trying to like direct himself, and he's flying. And eventually they catch him. They come back. They make it all the way back to Earth, even though their shuttle wasn't really designed to be out for that long. Yeah. Um, and then it's like five years later, and Mark is now teaching the next generation of astronauts about surviving on in space and in other places. Yeah. Like Mars. Yeah. And like he says in the movie, fuck you, Mars. Fuck you, <laughs> Mars. I feel like I only had to look at the summary a little bit to... Well, I mean, I think that, I mean, although it is a very involved movie, it's so compelling that it's easy to remember the story, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, uh, it's easy to remember the story of Rocket Man because it's really a very small story connected it by really a lot is. of really great comedic connected bits jokes. Yeah. that are not part of the story. <laughs> so, there is, in the near future, in an unspecified time, a manned mission plan. It still looks like for it's Mars. the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it's the 90s. Solidly the 90s. The Late 90s, like the 90s at the most modern early 2000s. They are going to Mars. And you see they're like they're going to launch they're, they're going to land on Mars and they're talking to the to NASA and then the the lander blows up. It crashes on Mars. But it turns out it was a JK, simulation. Yeah. Right. Prank. It was a simulation. And the head then they shoot the, him to make yeah. sure that it like they are dead. Right, and then yeah, kill them. Very dead. realistic. This is a totally <laughs> random aside. Uh, do you know what scientifically the funniest joke in the world is? What? It, what? This guy like did this whole. It was just like double blind study. I don't know. It was like he, he polled a lot of people. Funniest joke in the world, according to that, is there's a a, a, a man is worried. He calls nine one one, and the nine one one operator answers, and he's like, like. Sir, I don't know what's the nature of your emergency. And he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, my, my friend and I are hunting. Uh, he was just attacked by a bear. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like, I can't get to him. He's just, oh, God, I don't know what to do. Please help me. And the 911 operator's like, okay, please, sir, make sure your friend is dead. And he's like, okay, hold on. And there's a pause. <laughs> and then you hear, Pew! And the guy comes back. He's like, okay, now he's dead. <laughs> Anyways. That's very morbid to be, like, the most funny joke. <laughs> it's also hilarious. It's just morbid enough to be shockingly funny, but yeah. not so morbid as to be offensive. Yeah. Anyways. It's not, you don't laugh and then feel bad about it. No. So, uh, it turns out that the, it was, it was, yeah. a, it was a, simulation. a simulation. Right. Um, and the, the guy who's in charge of the navigation is like, this computer program's fucked. It's not working. My, I right. did it right. I'm doing it right. And so they're like, fuck, well, we'll go talk to the guy who wrote the program. And it's Harland Williams, the very absurd comedian they get to his office and he's just he's the weirdest geek nerd not like cool like mark watney like full-on weird noises yeah, and mark watney's a nerd shit. he's right. a geek yeah yeah or maybe god forbid a dork um Ooh, no that's a oof. good yeah that's a good descriptor for him though so he's a 90s dork, he's a 90s dork like the, yeah the 90s movie dork yeah so uh, they go there and uh, they're like, "Hey, your program." Like, he's super excited to see all these people. He's like, "I'm loving. I've been love with all of you. You guys are so great." <laughs> I feel like a paleontologist he, who's been hunting dinosaurs his whole life and finally gets to meet one. Absurd. He, he he's knows just, like every single person. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they're like, "Well, we're actually here because your program seems to not be working." And he's like, "No, no, no! I programmed this right. Like here, look. And like this is it. You're putting the you're putting the code in wrong." And he's like, "I don't do that. I'm a I'm a I'm a decorated NASA astronaut. I don't do that shit." And he put like he's like no 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 look I'll show you and he does it and he's got this little toy that like simulates the the Mars lunar rocket landing and it lands perfect and it's fine and the other guy's like fuck you like let me try it and so the NASA astronaut sits down tries to set it up again and the toy goes haywire and sh like shatters on his face and gets fracture. A, yeah skull, skull fracture, fracture. <laughs> so they have to train a new Mars mission navigator and they've got well they're like we got this guy but he isn't tested well in like this the stuff that we need for a NASA astronaut. Uh, but we got somebody else too, and it's Harland Williams. There's a hilarious bit. It's probably like 20 minutes of the movie of the two of them testing, and they're in the isolation chamber. And Harland Williams just thinks it's a game and freaks the other guy out. Um, and when they, they open do... it, he's like, "Can you can you give me 20 more minutes?" Or right, yeah, he's ready. He's doing a he's doing his own like play with sock puppets. Uh, they go in the spinny thing, and like the like Gordon like can't handle it, and Harland Williams's character. Um, like Fred Randall, record. yeah, breaks the record um, and <laughs> breaks the chair actually, and like just goes terrorizing NASA. Ends up hurting the guy again that he hurt before. 
Um, they do like a breath holding thing, and the important all the classic one, like it's in they're in they're in every single astronaut movie. Right, the spinning yeah. thing, the breath holding thing. The one though that's important is that Harlan Williams has trouble with the revolving rotating chair where you're supposed to reprogram the computer, but it's simulating under chaos distress, under duress. Yeah. Right, he has trouble with that. Anyways, at uh, the the head of NASA ends up picking Fred Randall. Harlan Williams' character Almost to Almost immediately regrets it. Yeah. At the press conference, He's like, at least. Oh, oh. <laughs> and the guy's like, fuck this. Um, but he... They 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 get on the rocket. Uh, he's Fred is nervous, but they go with um, the, the two human crew members and also a monkey who's been... Or a chimpanzee, excuse me, who's been trained Ulysses. to do... Yeah, Ulysses is a chimp, not a monkey, who's been trained to do Mars shit. Like he's like trying to... F- he's going to go into caves and find evidence right. of life. Like yeah. It's kind of his thing. And so they get on the rocket. Uh, they're supposed to go into stasis, but Ulysses steals Fred Randall's stasis chamber, and Fred can't fit in the one designed for a chimpanzee. He, he sleeps so, for about 15 minutes, like 15. right. <laughs> and so now he's, like, trying to keep himself busy for the remainder of three months on his way to Mars. And he's, uh, I thought it was again, doing plays. Or, yeah, maybe it's, like, six months, like, eight I thought it was like, like yeah. that. And so he's doing, he's doing plays again, and he solves the Hutu Tutsi crisis. <laughs> And he paints with the like the squeezy astronaut food, um, and when they when they awake from stasis, they're pissed at him. Except for they realize that they're at Mars. They land on Mars, and Fred Randall fucks everything up again. But ultimately, like they're they're doing the setting that they need to do. Um, but Fred has also realized through his a large amount of time that he's had on his hands, as well as new reports when they get to mars that there's a sandstorm coming and they need to launch like they knew it was going to come it's coming way earlier than right. they expected so they go to launch or they, they decide they're going to do it and the the head of the program is pissed and so um the next day uh the other member of the crew uh julie ford wakes up fred and is like fred uh commander bill is gone he took ulysses and, he, and the rover and he's gone it's me you. it's me i'm commander bill no i'm captain bill please come on <laughs> Um, and so Fred is like, all right, I'm going to go find him. You get this, you get the ship ready to go. Cause we're going to have to go. Right. We have to go in like stat. Right. A number of minutes. They go out to find him and they can't find him. And it turns out like they find Ulysses and Ulysses takes Fred to the Mars Rover that is overturned and trapped commander bill. Fred gets commander bill free. Um, but his, Ulysses, his hose is damaged. And so Fred holds his breath all the way back to the lander. They all board. They're going to launch and a rock hits the lander. And so Fred has to go in and try and reprogram the computer it's under exactly, extreme duress. Exact, it's spinning around. It's the and same. And his, his friend at NASA, who was responsible for the failure of the Apollo 13 mission, talks him but through really it. But really just kind of got framed for right, it in a right, way. Yeah. Talks him through it. He ends up sol- solving it, saves the day. Um, and the they're excited brother. to go back. Yeah, yeah. The dude's brother. Bo, Bo Bridges. <laughs> the other Lebowski. Um, he gets... They... they it's a big success. They they redock with their shuttle, and they go back into he, Fred and Julie uh, fall in love, and they go back to their stasis chambers, and Ulysses <laughs> gets back into Fred's, and that's where the movie ends. It's a silly ass movie. It is so absurd. But we found out there's a post credit scene. There is. Yes. I'd ne- you, I never. Yeah, you never seen it. I never. Never. I don't know. I, I guess because we just figured there's not going to be yeah. a fucking post credit scene. Yeah. For a Disney movie that opened at number four in the box office and by the second week sank to eight. <laughs> like, no. Um, but the post credit scene is that oh, there's a scene where they're supposed to be planting a flag on Mars and Fred drops the flag. And like down a sheer cliff face. Right, and and Commander Bill is like, what the hell, like, this is my one dream, is to plant a flag on a Martian surface. Like, I can't do it now. And he's like, no, Commander, I've got a flag, a high-flying flag. <laughs> and he pulls from his spacesuit the boxers he's, he was wearing that are American flag, flag printed. And the post credit scene is that... The flag's gone. The flag is gone, and the, the, the assumption is that it was stolen by aliens. Ultimately, maybe an odd post credit scene, <laughs> but maybe not the weirdest thing that's happened in the movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, uh, I guess similarity one between the Martian... Were you going to say that they're both on Mars? No, 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 no. That's that's absurd. No, 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 no. The the most important similarity, I think, between the Martian and Rocket Man is that neither star Mark Wahlberg. We're going to talk about that later. (laughs) All right. How do you know he wasn't in one of them? Because I watched both movies. He's not in either he's of them. Just, what if he's one of those background people at NASA? I watched both movies. No, he's not in either of them. 
we'll talk about this later. Apparently, this is a this is a thing that's embarrassing to talk about now, so we won't talk about this right now. No, do you have any other similarities or differences? Because I think that's my only one. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Uh, tune in the next time we have a show, and we love you. I have that the Martian obviously is much more scientifically accurate, or at least strives to be. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Rocket Man is inherently scientifically inaccurate. Like they don't explain the things they don't have to because they wouldn't be able to. Right. But like it's the whole thing about the Martian book and the movie that it's as scientifically accurate as possible. Yeah. In fact, I actually have written down here it, sim- similarly that uh, the purpose of the Martian is the science and it shows. Like it, it's obvious that the purpose of the Martian was to do a really dope thing with science. Yeah. And the purpose of the of Rocket Man is absolutely not the science and it still shows. Like in 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 the Martian uh, on the on their module that's supposed to last them all of the Mars missions, the or they, the Ares missions. Mm-hmm. Um, they explain their ability to walk inside with artificial gravity by the fact that it spins. It's the 2001 Space Odyssey thing, it's the interstellar thing. The exterior part of the capsule spins so you can walk on it. In Rocket Man, you can walk on the space shuttle because they got a big ass switch that they flip <laughs> that says artificial gravity, artificial gravity <laughs> boosters or whatever it says, uh, which is explained by a throwaway line by the head of NASA who says, "We have a new artificial gravity system that we're trying out, and we'll do it first on here or something." I uh, I think that another difference is that theoretically a, you can't have a you can't have a story without conflict. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, there is inherently drama in Rocket Man, but it is obviously not a drama. This is a comedy through and through. And although I think it would be more apt to say that The Martian is an adventure, if you're bisecting a comedy and drama, I think that The Martian may be a drama, but there are obvious drama. comedic elements to it. Yes, the it's constant, not an unfunny movie. No, the constant teasing about the, the head of the Ares mission and her love of disco... Um, the whole bit about the Council of Elrond. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a movie with comedic, many good, well-landed comedic moments. Yeah. I would say that The Martian has, while both have movies have things that drive the plot forward, in The Martian it's like tragic, like bad things, like when the the big hole blows up inside of the yeah. base where all his crops get killed, when he can't do this, can't do that, or, you know, all the bad things that happen that kind of make them accelerate their plans to get him back more quickly. Like, they send the supplies, and then it blows up in the air. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Rocket Man, it's almost like, other than you have the um, sandstorm, which is nature. Most of Martian is man versus nature. He's, yeah. he's fighting the elements. He's not... There's really no conflict between... There's a con- a little bit at NASA between but... the various heads of different departments, but it's not... No, over conflict. In fact, when the 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 ext- the most extreme part of that conflict is when Sean Bean gets fired, but he gets fired saying you're going to bring these guys home and then you're going to give me your resignation. The conflict yeah. still is supposed to be yeah. after we've solved Man vs. Nature. In Rocket Man, it's mostly comedic moments that drive the plot forward, and almost exclusively Man vs. Man comedic moments, unless yeah. you consider Ulysses or even, to be nature. Yeah, or even when it's like Fred against himself. Yeah. Man versus self. Very postmodern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Modern, postmodern. I can't remember how that great comic works. Doesn't matter. Um, I think that The Martian, it, this is this is only, it's, it's half a thought, and it's forming in my head actively. But The Martian seems to treat Mars and science and space and NASA very reverently. It's a very respectful, reverent, honest movie. And the characters in Rocket Man treat these things reverently. Even Fred Randall, who at the very beginning of the movie, it shows him as a kid pretending like the dryer is um, the the lunar lander, and he's trying to like go to the moon, and then it ends up spinning in a spin cycle, and it freaks him out. Like he has a tremendous respect for he space and Mars, where he knows all the people. But I don't know if the movie treats these things. I don't think so. <laughs> Not so much. So, another difference I have, and it's it's a tiny, tiny thing. It's, mm-hmm. It feels like it's nitpicking. Like you said, Rocket Man starts in the past. Yeah. It starts with him as a kid. Yeah. And then it does all the stuff in the present. And the Martian is pretty much all present. 
Yeah. There are no... Which they could easily do with, like, Mark Whitney and his family. Oh, sure. Like, he just has his parents. He doesn't have, like, a wife and kids. But sure. It, it's all just takes place chronologically. The, the whole only... Movie. Yeah, the only time jump is at the end is the is five that, years the, later. The epilogue. And so the time jump is even this is the future as opposed to that was the past. Yeah. Yeah. So... If it's, like, they could have started it with him in that lecture hall talking and then kind of flashed back to it. Yeah. But they wanted the... The suspense of, is he going to make it off? And both movies are happy movies. No one, everyone makes it in both of the movies. You know? Yeah. A similarity, both feature disco in their soundtrack. This is true. Assuming we <laughs> consider Elton John to be disco, which, that's eh, a little late for it. But it's, it's, uh, we'll, we'll call it, we'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't believe it's disco, please say so on our Facebook <laughs> page, because we don't have nearly enough drama and discourse there for my tastes. <laughs> the Martian made me really love, uh... That David Bowie song again. Yeah. Which one? Starman? Starman, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. There's, yeah. That's a very good song. I never, I just like forgot about it. Yeah. Let's see, I think I've got a couple more. Um, the Martian, I think both the book and the movie were nominated, if not won, a Hugo. Oh. Rocket Man did not. Did it win a No, it, run, it won nothing. It was on nobody's radar. Uh, it was limitedly released and then... On, on DVD, and then the DVD release uh, went out of print. I guess it was released on VHS, because I know we had it on VHS. And then it became a Disney Movie Club exclusive. Like, this is not a popular movie. Would you like to know what Rocketman has on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, buddy, do I know. You have both scores on there? Yeah. Because the second score is important. Tell them what it has critics-wise. Critics-wise, sitting at a 21%. But tell them what it is Audience. It's a seventy-two percent. Let me tell you a story. So I was looking at this, like on Reddit, like there are there are a number of people that are like, this movie is hilarious. Like this movie was super funny. I remember loving it as a kid. And when like looking at those comments, that's that's kind of what actually what I was afraid of when by putting when putting it on this list. Like I I know that I liked it as a kid, and I didn't know if it was going to hold up for somebody watching it as a full-grown adult for the first time. For the most part. But you laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. The champagne always helps with that. Well, sure, and you're with the group, but to be fair, I found no, Tropic I, Thunder I wildly was... unfunny because I was not ready to watch a comedy at that point. Oh, I loved that movie. I would like to watch it again because I think that I would think it's funny, but I, I was not thrilled the first time I watched it is because I didn't want to watch it at that point. You were ready to watch a comedy, and Harlan Williams helped you out. He did. He did. The Martian is sitting at a 91% for both, but... You know what Roger Ebert gave Rocket Man? Yes, I do. Three Again, out of four stars. Three out of four stars from Roger Ebert. <laughs> he Go said Roger he loved Ebert. It. He did. My, I think that that might be a contributing factor. My dad has always said that Roger Ebert, like the way you, the way you're supposed to do a film critic is that you find a film critic who you understand their language. So generally speaking, you'll like the movies they like and you won't like the movies they don't like. But you start to learn why they like and don't like movies, so that if it's a thing that they don't like that you do like, you can know that by reading them. And my dad likes Roger Ebert for those reasons. And I think that's why he likes Rocket Man, or is indicative of him, him liking Rocket Man. I was actually going to talk about critics a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, but one of the YouTubers I watch, his name is Video Game Donkey, has a thing about game critics, and it's mostly yeah. poking fun at sites like IGN and like how they never yeah. give less than a seven on Did anything. You see, they just they cut like fifty percent of their employees. That's like seven point five employees out of ten. <laughs> I didn't see that's a shame, though. <laughs> it is a shame. We shouldn't be laughing about that. Um, but Dunkey says that uh, you don't have, like like you just kind of explained with your dad and Roger Ebert, you mm -hmm. don't have to see eye-to-eye -eye on every movie or every game or everything with a critic. Yeah. The power lies in the consistency, consistency of their voice. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the examples he gives is like, he hates RPGs. They're boring as hell. He right. hates turn-based games. He's like, it's the worst combat in any game ever made. Right. And he's like, and I hate anime. So when I say that Persona 5, which is an anime-based, turn-based RPG, is actually pretty good, you might think, well, there's something to this game then, because <laughs> he should hate this game. Right. Um, but just that the consistency of a person's voice. Yeah. Once you know, like, once you're kind of aligned with their tastes, and they say they don't like something for these reasons, you know that you might like it for those reasons. That He's like, it's ridiculous when someone says, oh, I stopped listening to him after he said this game was bad. Yeah. Like... I think it's interesting. In a similar vein, I've been listening to another podcast about movies uh, called Unspooled. That's great. You're cheating on our podcast? Oh, if I can, I mean, yes. <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. This has got to count for something. 
I don't like podcasts, so when I say I like this podcast, <laughs> that means something. No, Unspooled is um, is a podcast where Paul Shear, the comedian, and Amy Nicholson, the film critic, watch the top the AFI's top 100 list and go through them. Mm. Uh, but one of the things that they've talked about a couple of times is film critics who have changed their opinions on movies. And I think that while consistency is key, consistency in the That's face of change yeah. is is almost foolish. That if you if you re people change evaluate yeah if you, you grow yeah, and you learn more or whatever if you there were there are things that I remember not liking as a kid and now liking. If you had told junior high me that he would love Britney Spears, junior high me would have not listened to most of the rest of your conversation because that would be stupid. But adult me loves Britney Spears. Her music's great. So it's important to be consistent in your reviews and your reason for judging things. But it is also important to acknowledge change. And maybe if you're doing that, also acknowledge that you felt one way about the movie before for this, this, and that reason. But you've changed because of that, that, and this reason. And Ducky does that too. He's, I think, I don't remember which game it was, but there's something he's like, the first time I tried it, I played for about two hours. I was like, this sucks. I came back a few years later, and I loved it. Yeah. It just shows that when you change as a person. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any other similarities or differences? I, I got nothing. I don't know if I have very many either. Let me recall. I think that, um, let's see. Oh, uh, that the important part of uh, Mar- the margin is a science, as we said before, mm-hmm. but the story doesn't suffer because of that. No. I think that the story is so secondary, and that almost shows in Rocket in Man. Rocket Man. Yeah. Over the comedy, and the comedy is great. I think the comedy is is absolutely what it needs it's to be. Swinging it's a strong like 80 percent comedy and yeah. twenty. And the words the Martians like fifty one percent science and forty nine percent story. Yeah, like it's they're not doing it at the expense one at the expense of the other. Here are some interesting things uh, about both movies. I went to IMDb. Should we do this? Should we do fun facts about movies? And I, our think we should. Too? I think we should. I think we should. Yeah. So here's some interesting things. Can you guess? I have two piles here. One pile is one page. <laughs> one pile is 16 pages, but I've printed two pages on each sheet. So it's technically, what's 16 times 2? 32. 32 sheets. This is one page of errors from a movie and 32 pages <laughs> of errors from another movie. Can you guess which movie has one page of errors and which movie has 32 pages does of errors? Does The Martian have one page of errors? It does not. Really? It does not. Well, IMDb I guess it's lists, looked at more critically. Well, yes. Also, IMDb <laughs> lists 22 continuity errors, 22 errors in general. Is it like it's not just continuity. Con- okay. No, 22 errors in general for Rocket Man and 147 <laughs> errors from The Martian. Now, here's where the difference is. I hope we didn't print that out just to show the difference in pages. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was really bored at work today. No, um, uh, so Rocket Man has errors like, let's see. Uh, during the launch sequence after the solid rocket boosters separate, there is a shot of the first stage of a Saturn V falling away, taken from the second stage. This is a completely different rocket. <laughs> uh, when the crew first experiences weightlessness, there are engine sounds in the background. Despite the fact that they are sounds of jet engines instead of rocket engines, it is clear that at this time the craft's three main engines are still firing, so the crew would not be weightless. And the Martians' errors are things like, on a video call, when Commander Lewis's husband shows her the ABBA album he bought in a market, it states it as a first pressing. The cover shows Fernando at the top of the track list, but the first pressing only had Fernando as a bonus track, and it wasn't listed on the cover. What he is showing is the second pressing. He was just lying. Yes. So, yeah. The, the, ones, in, the ones in the Martian are like... It's looked uh, at a little, a little more critically. Right. Uh, like, yeah, like, during the Elrond Council, when Purnell puts the pen back in Teddy Sanders' jacket pocket, he gives him back his own common plastic pen instead of Sanders' Montblanc. Right after, in the following shot, the Montblanc reappears in Sanders' pocket. Oh, see, if it didn't re- reappear, I would say he did that on purpose. Right. And that's just a funny little thing for people that notice. As but opposed if it to... appeared back, then it's, that's a continuity error. Rocket Man. When Fred arrives at work, the car there is not enough space to leave via either door of his car, so he goes out the sunroof, yet he's somehow still able to remove one of the wheels, which he wouldn't have been able to get any access to. So, like, yeah, I think that, like, 
a lot of like the space errors in the Martian, Anthony Weir has been like, hey, these are things, these are liberties I had to take with the story so that it would fit. For example, winds on Mars don't kick up that high. It would not be able to do that. However, the Martian has an accurate view of what the sky would look like on Mars, and Rocket Man does not. <laughs> like, it's 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 looked at more critically because it can be. It's like the fact that they had I don't know three or four scientists come and speak on the screenwriting of Interstellar to make sure that the science there checked out. Uh-huh. When the screenwriter for Rocket Man has gone on really to write things like Scary Movies three and four, superhero movie, Hangover two and three, Chernobyl. Well, also Chernobyl. <laughs> But that doesn't help my point. Which is so good. And so weirdly him. And so accurate. Taking liber- It takes liberties, but... It's a biopic. It has to take liberties. Yeah. Uh, I think that's actually a, a kind of an interesting similarity. Uh, Craig Marzin, who wrote Rocket Man, who co-wrote the story with two other people, with and Elton co-wrote... John and... Yes. Uh, Taron Egerton. <laughs> Uh, no, he co-wrote the story with two other people and co-wrote the screenplay with one other person. Um, is obviously so good at this style of stupid comedy, but also did Chernobyl. In The Martian, Jeff Daniels is the head of NASA, and although he has one or two funny lines, he is the one that says, if this is the Council of Elrond, I want to be Glorfindel. <laughs> is has recently generally been in a lot of dramatic stuff. The Newsroom, he's the new Atticus Finch on the Broadway version of To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, he does dramatic performances now, which is funny because I know him as, uh, is he Harry or Lloyd in Dumb and Dumb? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's so good at the stupid comedy, but he does all this drama now. Um, I just read it, or I just heard an interview with Bill Hader and Larry King where Larry King said something about it's so it's it tends to be easy for comedians to move into drama because comedy is drama, just played funny. Like you can't yeah. pretend to be funny and be a good comedian. You have to be, pretend to be serious in a funny way, and that's why it's funny. Yeah. So. I love, and we talked about it during the Council of Elrond scene mm-hmm. in The Martian that he picks a character that is only there in the books. Right. Which tells you he's a fan of the books. Right. Because he's the old nerd. He's the old nerd. Yeah. Whereas the other people that are talking about it are probably thinking about the movies as well. Right. Yeah. The people. Yeah. The people in, the people in the Martian are full on proper, well fleshed out, absolute nerds. And Rocket Man, you big, have chewy nerds. Big <laughs> chewy nerds. In Rocket Man, you have a dork, a pilot, and a science lady. And a chimp. And a chimpanzee. <laughs> I just keep wanting to say Chimp feels like a slur for it chimpanzee. Does. Yeah. He I also calls him like <laughs> our own little Dr. Zaius. <laughs> but also, though, it's not the only slurs in that. I guess it's not a slur, but maybe the only culturally, it may not be the only culturally insensitive part of that, of that movie. There are a few parts, yeah. yeah. Incidentally, Disney... It's mostly just when he's singing. Right. Yeah, well, cause, <laughs> because when he says something about have fun, Randall... And he says, oh, Fun's my Chinese neighbor's middle name. Um, <laughs> Disney was loath to keep that in the movie, but at test screenings, a lot of Chinese members in the audience thought it was hilarious. Well, so they kept go. it. Uh, a part of it was cut in the UK. Which part? The beginning. Because to keep a PG rating, they had to make sure that kids wouldn't do something unsafe, like crawl into the dryer. Oh. So I thought that was interesting. For a, a We're in America, that gave so as long as it didn't have... Titties in it. Yeah. Oh, it's ooh, fine. Mm-hmm. Don't even say that on the podcast. We're going to get fired. <laughs> we gotta, we're reporting to our boss here. Uh, well, I think that's all the fun facts I have. Do you have any questions? I do have some questions, Yeah. as a matter of fact. I also have some questions. So what is your favorite, quote-unquote, realistic space movie? I said that because I don't want you to say Star Wars... <laughs> but you also aren't going to be angry with me if I say something that's fictional. Yes, but it just, quote, realistic. Realistic. Yeah. Armageddon. Okay. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll highly accept... unrealistic. I would not accept it. <laughs> the fact that it's... I don't know. I would accept that answer, I think. <laughs> uh, no, I think that... I mean, I really... If we're, if we're talking movies that, that try to get the realism 
They right. at least don't ignore it. I'm right. not going to say that they get it completely right. Yeah, but they acknowledge... My favorite one is not realistic. It has cloning in it. Okay. Is it Moon? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I spoiled that. I wanted to guess it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, if you're watching the movie, just forget that I said that, and you haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Although, you, this really not because when, when it happens, you kind of know that's what it is. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's um, a good. That's a really that's a good. good movie. I love that movie. That's a really good movie. I don't know. I, I really do like The Martian a lot. I think that The Martian. I don't know. I don't know about its re rewatchability. Although I realize I really. I liked, liked the first third. The second time I saw it. That's yeah. Okay. I Not that liked, I didn't like the other thirds. I just haven't seen. No, but those. you only yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked watching it again with somebody else to see, as the the evolution of the the, analytical way they solve the plot is fixed. I really 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 liked Interstellar a lot. Oh, that absolutely I counts. I love that movie. That might be that might be it for me. Although I also like Apollo thirteen, and I do really like Armageddon. Um, I just like I like outer space movies. I like sci fi like that. But I think that if I have to pick one, it would probably be at this point in time. It would be Interstellar. I think the Interstellar is just a super neat movie. I like Matthew McConaughey a lot, and I think that he does really well in this movie. Um, I like some of the things it says. It it, it it felt like it felt like Contact, but a little bit more oddly reasonable i like that the robot wasn't a dick like they said yeah. they even make a joke about like about how and it's not he's not that way like he's a he's a nice robot he's not a dick i liked that what do you like about moon why moon why 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 that one i just find it really compelling okay i like my one of my favorite settings for realistic sci-fi is the moon okay so I just like it's it's the movie is basically one actor the whole movie. Yeah. And Sam Rockwell, he's the only guy there. Yeah. I I think it, he did a really good job carrying the whole movie on his shoulders. Yeah. And he had some help. Yeah. That's Kevin Spacey's voice is there. Oh. Well. <laughs> it's almost like he's doing the work of two people in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers, dude. Spoilers, spoilers. All right. So here's one. Um, my first question, this is the one I was thinking of in The Martian. Is there a... Do you remember learning about something from science that you found fascinating as a kid? Um, it was space, actually. I'm really glad you didn't say what you were going to say. What? That you were going to just answer yes. <laughs> Did you ever... Yes. Yes. Will you elaborate? No. No. <laughs> it was space, though? Yeah. I... One of my earliest memories was i had it was like a big little space shuttle mm -hmm. the front parts open like to where the main part of the shuttle is and then it had, came with all these cards that were just punched in the bottom so that we could recognize them and you put the card in and it'd tell you about that thing oh cool so i put the one in for black holes and it'd be like even light can't escape black holes and I was like, huh. that's so cool planet arrakis also known as doom <laughs> it's exactly home to sandworms <laughs> that's where all the spice comes yeah. from he who controls the spice controls the world. <laughs> um, okay. The, the one that I would put in about Yuri Gagarin, the first Russian, the first yeah. person in space through Russia. Also, really great uh, prog rock prog metal band. Oh. Yeah, my dad likes their instrumental. Anyways, as they should be, I guess. I mean, yeah. that makes sense. He's yeah. an old guy. I think it's important to note that uh, this is one thousand and one percent unrelated. If you're going to start a band, don't have the person who's the singer be the only person that's not afraid of singing. Have an actual singer be your singer. Don't pick a singer out of, like, necessity. Or just be an instrumental band. Or Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> just be an instrumental band if you don't have a singer. Don't try and force it. That's, it's gross, and it shows. But I was the classic, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up okay. kid. My first dream was to be an ice cream truck driver, but my second dream oh. was to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a video game designer, oddly. I liked I liked that kind of thing, but I think that space was certainly up there. I mean, I had a lot of help. My dad has never not been interested in space. Yeah, um, I remember uh, one of my science fair things. It was when a science fair allowed us to do instead of like an invention or we test a hypothesis, we could have done sort of like a survey of a scientific topic. And so my brother and I teamed up with a lot, a lot, a lot of help from my dad about sort of general solar system stuff. And we had we did a thing where um, if if Pluto was a one-by-one one Lego dot... But well, that's not flat. No. What? No. Okay. <laughs> if, if Pluto was a one-by-one one Lego dot, how big are the other planets? And, like, 
uh, Earth was the size of a golf ball or something like that. They were all different, varying sizes. Um, <clears throat> I think I remember the sun. Is it? Yeah, it was either the sun or Jupiter. I can't remember. Was so big that we had a string, like we had a string, and like this is the diameter of it. And we had them. One kid stand on one end, and the other kid hold the other, so we could show them how big it was. <clears throat> if the if the if Pluto is a one by one Lego dot, and the Earth is however big the Earth was in that proportion, if the Earth was where our elementary school is, where are the other planets proportionally? And you know, it sounds like you guys definitely did all that work. <laughs> it was a lot of it was a lot of it was my dad sort of explaining it to us so that we could then explain it to the other people. Yeah. And so I mean, it was it was it was heavily 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 driven by him but it was something that we all i remember all doing it together it was really it was nice here's my next question we're recasting both of these movies Mm -hmm. obviously we're putting mark Wahlberg in the martian (laughs) other than mark Wahlberg, who would you cast as mark watney oh boy i feel the need to explain myself that i mistook matt damon for mark Wahlberg. you didn't just mistake him I thought it was, that's who it was. I know, but you had a whole thing like, Bill, isn't it hilarious He's playing that Mark named Watney is <laughs> basically the same name as the actor who plays him? And I'm like, what do you mean? Matt Damon, I guess that they both start with M. And he's like, Mark no, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. And I'm like, buddy, it's Matt Damon. It says so right on the fucking top of the movie. We watched the opening credits. We didn't skip them. We were all there in the room. Don't pay attention to those. And what... Like, 90s comedian do you have play Fred? So, I think this is tough for two reasons. One, I think that it's tough to recast Harlan Williams because this movie is fucking absurd. Rocket Man is a bizarre-ass movie. And I think... I'll tell you, my answer for that is Jim Carrey. I was going to say Jim Carrey. I think that's not a bad answer. Peak weird humor, yeah. Jim Carrey. Not now, Jim Carrey. No, but like Dumb and cool, Dumber, Jim weird Carrey, or even Cablegate, Cable Guy, Jim Carrey, or, or like The Mask. Right. But I think that that I think that that would bring sort of oddly like some and, clout to the role, and I like everything how everything would bring a different energy. Right. I I like I like how. I mean, they worked together before, but Tom Green would maybe make it a slightly more sarcastic tone and not as genuine as Fred Randall makes it as Harlan Williams makes Fred Randall. Um, but that wouldn't be bad. I mean, it would be bad. But Rocket Man is bad. So maybe it would be also good bad like Rocket Man is. I don't know. That one's tough. Different I think kind of that, good bad. Do what? Different kind of Different good kind bad. of good bad. Yeah. I think that similarly, you want, for The Martian, you want someone who can tell a joke but isn't a comedian. Yeah. Um... And so, Matthew McConaughey would work just fine, I think. Yeah. Um, I could see that. Oddly enough, I think that, I mean, she's already in the movie, but because of Kristen, R- Kristen Wiig's role in The Martian, I think that Kristen Wiig could have played Mark Watney. She's the head of PR in the Martian I think that she I mean she's a comedian at heart like she's she was on SNL she does comedy movies but she does such a good job being almost secondarily funny to the fact that she's still the head of PR for mm-hmm. I think that it would you be interesting him. to see her yeah Matt Damon yeah. is now the head of PR for NASA I would watch that I would watch that a, a lot I think that'd be times? neat 1700 whoa thousand thousand no, but I think that I think that that would be interesting. Or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that answer. Kristen Wiig for now. How about you? Mark Wahlberg for both. And Jim Carrey. Jim and Carrey Mark, and Mark Wahlberg. And Mark okay, Wahlberg. I can live with that. Uh, my question. But then I would say it's Matt Damon. Yeah. Say so my question. Do you do you know that those are two different people? Yes, I know. Are you? Did you watch all of the Ocean's movies and think, man, this is a really weird role? I haven't seen any of the Born Identity movies. Matt Damon, now I know the from The Martian. Right, this is the problem. You don't know a movie. Okay, uh, thank you guys for listening. We're going to cut this off right now because we got to go <laughs> fucking watch an Ocean's movie. Jesus. Um, but <laughs> I linked an article. Apparently they get mistaken for each other sometimes yeah. in like, public. So they have this agreement that if they're mistaken for the other person, they'll be nice so that like it doesn't become, oh, well, Matt Damon was a dick to me when it was right. actually Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> so they're both like... 
He's like, I loved you in porn. I didn't even work work. He's like, thanks, man. <laughs> and so, did you see, I, I sent you that meme that it's it's this joke about Newfound, Newfoundland residents. And they're like, uh, uh, oh, Matt Damon's in this movie. And they're like, who? And I'm like, buddy who looks like Mark Wahlberg. And I'm like, ah, yes, B, I know that. Uh, <clears throat> are you frustrated when movies are inaccurate? Inaccurate and scientifically inaccurate? Scientifically inaccurate. No. Or like like fact fact factoidally fact factoidally inaccurate, like maybe not scientifically, but other other like geographically inaccurate, historically inaccurate. I'm not, unless the movie is like not following its own rules. Okay. If they're trying to be realistic and it's not, I'm more okay with that than like they set it up this way and then it doesn't turn out that way. Okay. Or like if they set up their rules and then they don't follow their rules. Okay. Are so you... it's mostly a fantasy thing versus a sci-fi thing. Okay. With, like the rules for magic or whatever yeah. else they decide they want to have in it. Are you more angry about the facts being wrong when it's something that you know about? For example... Yeah, presumably because I'm... Mice not being I get to dicks. live in the ignorance of... Or of something. It. Or people calling mice rats or vice versa. Right. Yeah. yeah. When it's something I know about... Yeah, well, because ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah, I've always thought so. I'm. I think I actually coined that phrase. <laughs> I would say I'm more picky about things like that when it's an adaptation and they're not following. If they're trying to be realist, like is cl- a close adaptation, and they don't. Okay. You know, so you would be more. You're more angry about when they make changes that make sense. Then I'm okay with it. You're more angry about the accuracies of Harry Potter four than the inaccuracies of the marsh or of rocket yeah. man yeah okay but you didn't say any other harry potter past that because i've only read up to four well everything past four is not great except for fantastic beasts one yeah hot take bill mike sell hot take <laughs> the best harry potter movie is did fantastic you reread beasts harry potter one. this year i haven't yet i should start soon it's supposed to be the summer reread isn't it well it starts it's supposed to start the first day of school which was monday Oh, so you're okay. So I'm I'm a little late. I may I may I may forgo it this year. I'm not I'm not currently in the movie. Read mood. something we'll else. See. I might read something else. I might just watch the movies. There you go. Again and try and have, watch them in newer light. Because a marathon. Yeah. We'll see. Anyways. Do you have another question? I have one more question. Okay. So what's the name of your fictional space mission? You got like all <clears> the <throat> Is that what that twenty is that what that sixteen page? <laughs> Yes. No, but I do have notes here. I wrote this down on purpose. So I first thought, I can't just name a mission. The missions are named after what the mission is, what the mission is. The Apollo mission was named because the person who named the Apollo mission imagined Apollo riding his chariot across the sun and figuring that the Apollo missions had a similar gravitas to them, a similar weight. Now, a lot of NASA shit is weightless in space well yes (laughs) a lot of nasa shit is named after greek and roman gods Mm -hmm. so i decided first i have to come up with a fictional mission and my fictional mission was a generation ship a a ship where you put on people and then like their descendants will appear will arrive at the destination but they the people who get on the ship will be long dead by the time it reaches the destination and i have two answers my serious answer is that it would be the fanny's mission Fannies is the primeval deity of procreation and generation of new life. Kronos, the god of time, at the beginning of the universe, created a silver egg, which was the universe, and from the age, from the egg hatched the firstborn, Fannies, who then sort of generated all of the life in the universe. I like that your serious answer still has a funny name. It is. It's Fannies. <laughs> it's, you know. I mean, if you're British, it really fits. That's where New Life springs from. (laughs) My joke answer is Priapus. (laughs) Priapus. So your your funny answer is the one that sounds like... (laughs) Just wait. Just wait. Priapus is the rustic fertility god. Rustic? Yes. Mm. Of livestock, fruit plants, gardens, (laughs) and male genitalia. Rocket-shaped male genitalia. <laughs> Priapus is marked by his oversized permanent erection. He's Mark Wahlberg by his 
oversized permanent erection. I looked up a picture of this guy and he just has a huge penis. So yes, my actual answer is fannies. But I mean it's not like NASA hasn't picked absurdly named things. Yes, this is inappropriate. True. Fannies is not going to go to Uranus, but they could. That would be a generational one, I yeah. think, that trip. No, I think that we could... I don't know. I don't know how far it is. I don't know if we could make it. If we, if we have a way to do, like, hypersleep... Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how far it is from here to Uranus. It's further than, like... Well, you're just sitting across from me, so work. it's like two steps. Oh. That's how long it would take me to get to Uranus. <laughs> no, uh... Listeners, if you have an answer of how long it would take... A standard rocket ship to get you from know, here to your standard rocket ship. Uh, please post it on our Facebook page or send us an email to our Gmail. I haven't checked that in a long time. Two films too curious on Facebook or two films too curious at gmail.com. Gmail so yeah, what was your what would yours be named? Uh, Erickson after Leif Erickson. Oh, I like that answer like a lot. And also because that's like my heritage yeah. and shit. So my original funny answer was going to be Genghis Khan. I mean, that wouldn't be... We, did, we both would have picked historical figures. Yeah. But Ericsson sounds like... And I had to search up because there's no space mission that was called Ericsson. No, we, I mean, there's the Sony Ericsson, the phone. Yeah. But no space mission, no. But it and does sound proper. Ericsson, like the electronics company. Yeah. But that's... I think that's E-R-I-C-C-S-O-N or something that's like that. That's two S's, I think, too. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. it's Eric with a C as his own. But also, my dad's name is Eric, so I am Ericsson. Yeah. Get it? I do. This is triple answer on this. Yeah, I like it. Do you have a funny answer? No. <laughs> Can you think of Okay, so this is a one this is a one this is a weird one. A lot okay. A lot of NASA scientists can trace their inspiration for their love of outer space from Star Trek. A lot of people a lot of people probably view the martian as a movie that is inspirational and how will help kids be excited about science my dad is consistently disappointed that there are so many swears in it because it means he can't show it in his class he would love to show this movie in his class because it will get it's get gets kids jazzed about science now here's the kicker on reddit i saw a number of people who said that they can trace back their interest of science and the moon to rocket man can you think of something? But they don't even go to the moon in Rocket they don't. Man. That's true. <laughs> Can you think of something? Can you think of an unlikely th inspiration for you for something that you like now? Is there something that you like now that the only reason you liked it was because of a what silly thing? What makes it you unlikely? Saw? Because Rocket Man? Well, yeah, Rocket Man is not a movie that, that people would consider to be inspirational. Necessarily. When people talk about inspirational movies like Chariots of Fire, it's not Rocket Man. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I have an answer to that. Okay. And maybe because I'm stuck thinking in like a professional manner. Yeah. Like a, well, like even a besides type that, thing. like, yeah, I mean, I have a professional answer, but I have but a non-professional answer. The things answer. that I'm into, which is like three things. Yeah. I don't think any of those stem from a something else, likely or unlikely, that that forged that. Okay. Maybe my love of fantasy movies and books and games comes from watching my dad play Ocarina of Time. Okay. Maybe. I mean that might be that might be something. That might there might be there might be something to that. The idea that because you it's have magic and swords and elves. Right. They're Hylians but they have elf ears. Yeah. That 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 not that not that the Legend of Zelda games are lowbrow by any stretch of the imagination but it is that that maybe made you more receptive to things like the lord of the rings yeah because i remember watching play that long before i read it okay yeah uh indiana jones is my favorite historian i know that i know that he does his archaeology wrong but indiana also jones he punches there. and shoots nazis and yeah that's so that's cool. pretty badass um uh secondarily clerks 2 is what got me into metal music the oh. movie Clerks 2 is what got me into metal music. That, and then looking up and seeing that there are a number of bands that are named after the Lord of the Rings. So. We did it. We did it. I'm we uh, we rounded it out to an hour. We had a couple of uh, odd tangents, but we got we got a full hour in. Um, 
although I am going to cut out some pauses, so we're going to we're going to let this run a little bit longer. <laughs> are you going to cut out what you just said right there? No. I never cut out the words. The words are important. This is a raw, this is a raw podcast. People people don't know... tune in to hear about movies. That's a lie. People tune in to hear about us. That's that's also a lie. Well, you did cut out about 3 minutes of bullshitting the very beginning of this oh well yeah that's because anyways it doesn't matter that's that's neither here nor there um oh you know what actually no here's another question legitimately did you like both of these movies yes what did you like about both of these movies several things fuck (laughs) you i liked the martian because i thought it was compelling even though I felt like I was my brother in that I was like, something bad's about to happen. And then yeah. something bad happened. It's not a surprising movie. No. And neither movie is, I think. You know that they're both going to end, that the people are going to make it back. It's going to be a happy ending. Yeah. Um, but, and then I liked The Martian because, or no, nah, I liked Rocketman because it made me laugh. I thought it was really funny. All right. Some of the laughs I didn't feel good about, <laughs> specifically when he was singing. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> Uh, he does not speak any of the languages. He tries to sing. He's got the whole world in his hands in. Except English. Well. <laughs> there's a whole Western Hemisphere now. <laughs> He's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> Anyways. Well, I think that's it. I think that's officially it. Uh, I, got, I got nothing else. I guess continue. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep watching movies. And keep being curious about them. Yeah, keep being curious about them, and uh, we love you. We love you. <laughs>